<laughs> I was past hope, but that was before Jesus stepped in. Amen. I love that song right there. I appreciate those young people doing a fantastic job on that song. Take your Bibles, turn with me please over to the book of Psalms in the middle of your Bible, Old Testament, Psalm chapter 122, Psalm 122, several different verses we could look at this morning to go along with the theme for the day, I love my church Sunday. You say, well, I I don't even think it's right for you to say I love my church. Well, we're going to address that misconception here in just a minute. Amen. Are you there? Would you stand with me, please? Psalm 122. David started out in verse number one, said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I believe David loved his church, don't you? Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks in the name of our Lord, for there are set thrones of judgment and thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. All right, Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, as we preach for just a little bit on this thought, I love my church. I pray that you would just encourage and strengthen the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to boldly declare this morning, I love my church. I love my church. It's not arrogant. It's not prideful uh, to say I love my church. I believe we can love the church because Jesus loved the church. Amen. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number five, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so I just want to go on record this morning, in case anybody was wondering, let you know I love my church. I love my church. In fact, I love my church about as much as I love anything, a second only to my wife and kids, I guess, and my Bible. I love my church. I, I, I thank God for this place. And and, but, but, but just let me say this before I get into my message. Jesus loved the whole world. He loves the whole world. He, he, he loves the church, and there's a special kind of love for the church. And we could preach a whole message. I was going to preach a whole message on why Jesus loves the church. There's a whole list of reasons why he loves the church, but he loved the world. He loves the whole world. In fact, I want to establish how much he loves us. 1 John 4, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. I got a text message this morning from Brother Jerry Shadbach out in California. Believe it or not, I got some preacher friends in California, amen? And guess what? They believe like me. Ain't that something? But he texted me this morning. He said, I just noticed for the first time uh, that, uh, that, that, that he didn't say that he loved us because. That's just who he is. We love him because. He don't love us because. That's who he is. That's his attributes. That's a pretty good thought right there, amen. I'm glad I thought of that. (laughs) We love him, though, because he first loved us. 
Jesus loved us before we were ever saved. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He loved me first. We love him this morning because he loved us first. We love the church this morning because he loved the church first. Amen. First John chapter 4 verse number 10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I'm glad God is the one that initiated this love relationship. Amen. He left the 99 and came and sought us and found us and he saved us because he loved us. But I want to say this morning, Satan has launched an all out attack on the church. You know, I was thinking yesterday, I I got up about five different messages for this morning. I'm only going to preach two of them. But I I thought about this. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. This is Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, we could run laps about that. But then I flipped it around and I thought to myself, well, if the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, why are so many churches shutting their doors? If the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, why are so many churches going out of business and why are they putting for sale signs, turning them into bingo halls and dance floors? Why are so many churches shutting their doors and closing down if the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church? I made a list. You want to hear it? I believe churches are going out of business and shutting down because of members that become contentious with animosity. Strifes and divisions and splits. Members become contentious with animosity. Messages become contaminated with apostasy. Minds become controlled with anxiety. Ministries become crippled with apathy. Marriages become corrupted with adultery. That's just four or five things right there. You could preach for a month on that right there. The devil's not the one shutting down churches. A lot of times it's the church members shutting down churches. Because they're not sober and vigilant and realize that their adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Jesus already told us that the devil cannot prevail against the church. The gates of hell themselves cannot prevail against the church. Yet churches are shutting down because many of the people that are inside the church don't take serious what they have. And I tell you this, they don't appreciate what they have. I like what one old preacher from Tennessee said yesterday. He said, the problem with some of these boys is they ain't never loved nothing enough to hate the enemy of it. Now just let that sink in for just a second. That's the problem in America today. We got a bunch of snowflakes that don't love this country and what it was founded on enough to hate the enemies of it. And we got a lot of men don't love their marriage enough to hate the enemy of it. And we got a lot of church members that don't love the church enough to hate the enemy of it. We got enough people that don't love their Bible enough to hate the enemy of it. Those of us that are eat up with passion and zeal for God and the Word of God and the church of God many times are looked at like a bunch of fighters and a bunch of contentious and, 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 uh, and uh, people because we're willing to fight for what we love. Churches are shutting down and folding and going out of business because they're filled with people that do not love their church. They're not even fighting for their church. 
devil's fighting for our church. I said, the devil is fighting for our church. I love my church enough to fight for it. I love my Bible enough to fight for it. Amen. I've been embroiled in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a mess all week long calling out a preacher that took a church in Florida. I'm getting distracted from my message. Took the church in Florida that was a King James preaching church. Took that church and had plans from the get-go to change it into modern translations. And he not only did it, left, by the way, there's only eight of the original members left now. He, this is his words, not mine. Eight members are still there that was there when he took the church. Rest of them left. But that wasn't bad enough. Made a video teaching everybody else how to do it. Put out a video 30 minutes long and literally at the 16 minute mark of the 30 minute video, he literally says, I have, literally I have a conviction against using the King James Bible in my church. And I had a problem with that. And he put on a conference this past week, and I went on and did what I normally do. I said, you guys don't need to go to that. And if your idea of advancing the church is tossing the King James Bible, I'll pass. Guess what? I I got labeled. I got labeled as being divisive and slandering and and dividing the body of Christ and doing damage to the cause of Christ and the church of of God. I'm going to tell you the problem with these boys. They ain't never loved nothing enough to hate the enemy of it. I'm going to save that for another message. That's just a commercial for whenever I get around to preaching on it. This morning, we're going to have a good, happy, warm, fuzzy message, all right? I love my church. I'm going to give you five reasons. Can you handle that? Five. And now, if I fall down, my back's killing me. If I fall down, just leave me alone. Don't nobody pick me up. Just leave me there, all right? My lapel mic will work. I'll preach from laying down on the floor. Uh, but I love my church, number one, because of the hand of God that is apparent in this place. I love my church because the hand of God is apparent in this place. And we know we see the hand of the evil one. We see the hand of the devil working all over our world and through our nation and and, 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 in every aspect of our society. And I get so discouraged. I get so depressed. And I get so frustrated. And then I come to church and I'm able to see the hand of God work. I'm able to see the hand of God move. And it stirs me. And it encourages me. I love coming to church if for no other reason than to just watch God for it for a little while. He starts working the minute I pull up in the parking lot. Amen. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, the Bible says, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Boy, they'd been gathered together in that room. They'd been praying. They'd been, they'd been in there talking about the ministry and the work of God and, and, and getting their soul winning strategy all mapped out. And the power of God fell in that place. And when they went out on the streets, people could tell that the hand of God was apparent. It was evident in their life. And I need the hand of God on me. I want the hand of God on me. In Acts chapter number four, later down in that chapter, verse 29, they were praying the Bible says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken 
where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. Why? Because in verse number 30, they prayed that he would stretch forth his hand to heal and that he would work and that he would move. And God answered that prayer. I'm telling you, I love my church because of the hand that is apparent when I come here. Watch people come in with a face that is hard and firm and resolute. And watch God just wilt and melt and peel away the layers and the facades and watch the tears run down their face and watch them bow their head and watch them come to the altar and get right with God and confess sins and walk out forgiven and walk out stirred and changed. I like watching God work. I like watching God work. I like being where the hand of God is. Very apparent. I like that singing this morning. That that adult choir has been working on that song for a while. That was a good song. Amen. That youth choir singing that before Jesus stepped in. I could hear that song every day. I would never get tired of it. The hand that's apparent. Number two, I love my church because of the hurting that are attended. You may be sitting here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm hurting. Join the club. Let's just go ahead. Ain't nobody here but us. And the people watching on live stream, we don't even know them, so don't worry about them. How many of you this morning would slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I'm hurting. Would you raise your hand? I'm hurting. Just raise your hand. Just keep it up till all the liars raise their hand. <laughs> I'm hurting. I'm hurting. There's things in my life. I'm, yeah. I'm, come on. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay for you to come in here hurting because the rest of us are hurting. Boy, the devil tried to tell you all they don't understand what I'm going through. They're all so spiritual. They're all so close to God. Let me tell you something this morning. If you see somebody with a halo, it's not a halo. Their horns have grown together. Everybody in here has got issues. Everybody in here has got needs. Every one of us has been struggling and fighting our flesh and fighting the devil. Every one of us in here think about things and worry about things and and we're concerned about things and, and we've got things that are weighing on us. That's okay. I love coming to church because this is a place where people that are hurting can get attended to and God can minister to people that are hurting in this place. We don't look down our nose at people that are hurting. We don't look down. We, some of us in here, if it hadn't been for this church, if it hadn't been for the hand of God working and moving, some of us in here would be in jail or in hell right now. There's been a bunch of people come through those double doors back yonder that was on their last leg. I mean, they were this close to complete ruin. And God reached down and ministered to them in this place. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse number 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus came to minister and attend the people that are hurting. That's why he came. In fact, he said in Mark chapter 2, verse number 17, Jesus said, they that are whole have no need of a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. One of the the craziest things somebody could say about us 
is that we don't love sinners and we don't love people that are hurting and people that are broken. Are you kidding me? Every single one of us in here at some point in time was broken and sinners and we were, I mean, our life was a mess. The devil had chewed you up and spit you out and he was laughing at the fragments but then God came by and God began to minister and God began to speak and God's hand of grace and healing and mercy began to be bestowed upon you and he saved you. He salvaged you. I love coming to church just to see somebody get saved. I love to come to church see somebody coming in with tears of sorrow, leaving with tears of joy. I love to see somebody drag in and run out, skip out, amen, and jump out. I love it. Well, I know it's happened to me enough times. You say, preacher, you're the pastor. I know. There's been times I didn't want to be here. Same devil tries to get you to stay home from church, tries to get me to stay home from church. Only problem is my wife won't let me. Been under the covers with the, with the blinds pulled. I don't want to go to church. She says, you got to. You're the pastor. Get up. Shake it off. And come in here limping, come in here hurting, come in here with a knot in your throat, come in here with a load on your shoulders only for God to reach down and minister and attend. And the Holy Spirit knows exactly what we need and he's able to help us when nobody else can. That's why I love my church. Number three, I love my church because of the heresies that are addressed. You say, well, preacher, that's kind of negative. Not really. It's not negative if there's a big old hole in the middle of the floor and you say, watch out for that hole. Don't step in that hole. You're going to hurt yourself. That's not negative. That's positive. It's not negative if you've got a sign out on the side of the road in the middle of the rain, the thunderstorm, and you say the bridge is out. That's not negative. That's positive. That's right. That's right. It's not negative if you're in the woods with your kids and you say, hey, don't play with that. That's poison ivy. Leave that alone. That's not negative. That's positive. And it's not negative for a man of God to stand up and warn the church about false doctrine and heresies and false teachers and sound the alarm and let you know, don't get caught up in that crowd. That'll lead you down the wrong road. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, Paul said in verse number 18, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it, for there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Point them out. It's not negative to point out a wolf in the middle of a sheep flock. That's not negative. Amen. And if, if you think it's negative, remind me not to go out to eat with you. You're the kind of person to sit there and watch me eat a hair in my salad and not say something. <laughs> You'd be the kind of person that let me drink my drink with a roach floating in it. If you, hey, I don't want to go out and eat with you if you think pointing out bad things is bad. Is everybody okay? Some of y'all was wanting to go out to eat. Now you don't want to go out to eat. I, I just bought myself another hour's worth of preaching right there. Second Peter chapter number two, here's what he said. Second Peter two, verse one. But there were false prophets also among the people. 
even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. They're not just bringing in a different opinion. They're not just bringing in another way of doing things. They're not just bringing in, well, this is how I see it. Peter said they're bringing in damnable heresies. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. I thank God for a place where heresies are addressed where me and my children won't get blindsided by some modern philosophy that's contrary to Scripture or some idea that everybody thinks is woke, but it's not woke because it goes against the Word of God, goes against the Scripture. I'm glad I love my church tonight because of a place where I can find out the truth. And I'm really tired of hearing this. I've heard this all week. Well, I studied it out. The Muslim imams studied it out too. And the Pope studied it out. For, Second Peter 3 says this, for, for this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. Here we go. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, I studied it out. We need to go study it some more because you're still wrong. Well, I've been watching this video on YouTube. I've been watching, just hang, just stop a minute. The reason why so many people now are, are wrong in their theology is they are listening to people that are wrong in their theology. Evil, evil communications corrupt good manners. Amen. And if you're getting your water out of a dirty well, don't be shocked when the water's dirty. Try the spirits, 1 John says. Try the spirits, whether they be of God. Just because a man gets up in a $2,000 suit and knows how to stomp and snort and knows how to, how to articulate and he's eloquent and just because he's got a good organist over there that can zip, zip and make it really feel like God's working. You better watch that crowd. Yeah. Everything comes out of their mouth not truth. Right. Is everybody okay? Yeah. And then Pete, Paul went on to say, now, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. I'm glad I'm in a place where heresies are addressed. And fallacies in our modern society and all this ideological stuff that's going on that preachers are afraid to preach on. Well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid there's going to be somebody in my church that's sympathetic toward that. Chances are there probably is. That's why you need to preach against it. Amen. Say, well, my, I've got a sister that's transgender. We don't, I don't want you preaching against it. You may have a brother that's a murderer. Can I preach against murder? Is that okay? Sin is sin. <laughs> and I gonna preach against it. Amen. Number four, number four, number four. The help that is acquired. I love the church because of the help 
that is acquired at the house of God. Can I say it? I get help down here. This place helps me. It helps me. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. It helps me just before church to walk up and down the aisles and shake hands. It helps me. I like, I, like, I like fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters. I like saying hey. I like saying I love you. I like to hear you saying praying for you. I like to cut up. I like to pick on you. I like to tease you. Amen. Amen. Had a lady for church. She said, Preacher, after church, if you'll come back here, I'll walk on your back. I said, Well, I'm going to have to fill out my last will and testament first. <laughs> we were just cutting up. <laughs> if I didn't cut up with church people, I wouldn't have nobody to cut up with. I saw some people walk in this morning. I was like, Oh, my soul, Lord, help a ceiling's going to fall in. I just love talking to people before church. Amen. I love mingling with God's people. Is everybody okay? Yeah. And that prelude music over there starts. I feel something stirring in my soul. And then Brother Caleb gets up here and starts a service off with, can, how can it be? My goodness. I felt like I was just transported right up into the heavenlies. Every aspect of the service helps me. I come in here I'm all fouled up. Emotionally. Anybody in here ever get fouled up emotionally? Anybody ever get fouled up mentally? See, some of y'all ain't raised your hand yet. I demand that you buy me a steak and walk me through how you got so perfect in your life. I want to hear how you don't ever get fouled up emotionally. You don't ever get fouled up mentally. You don't ever get fouled up spiritually. Come on. You see who I work with every day. You wonder why I'm fouled up? Look who I have to hang out with all week. It's a miracle I can even string two sentences together. I love them and they love me. Amen. You love your job. Yes, that's right. <laughs> See, they love working here. <laughs> they don't want to work nowhere else. We have a time. We have fun serving God. We'll have a staff meeting and we'll deal with issues and we'll weep and we'll cry and we'll pray, but we enjoy serving God because we're at a place where we can get some help. I wonder about people when they're in a mess, they avoid the church. What's their problem? You need to go and stay. Hang around a while. Go early and stay late. Meeting with God's people. Meeting with God helps me. In Acts chapter 28, verse number 15, Paul has just come through this shipwreck in chapter 27. I mean, a nightmare. Then he, then he was shipwrecked on the island of Melita and he's over picking up firewood and trying to build a fire and a viper jumps out of the fire and latches onto his hands and everybody thought God was judging him and God was going to kill him. Said he must be some kind of a murderer or a criminal and then when he didn't die they started to worship him and thought he was a God. He's on this island ministering to all these people 
And here's what the Bible says in Acts 28, 15. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as that before them and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. <laughs> now, listen, it doesn't say he was discouraged. <laughs> but here's what it does say. Now, this is, this is Luke. This is, his, this is his physician writing this. This was like a prescription for the man of God. Right. <laughs> Let's just get you around some of God's people for a little bit. And the minute he saw the brethren coming, the Bible says when he saw them, he thanked God and took courage. That lets me know he had to be just a little bit discouraged for him to take courage. What am I saying? I'm saying I love the church because of the help that is acquired down here at this place. Number five. Y'all got time for two more? I love the church because of the homes that are admonished. I love this church because this is really the only place that I can go where I'm challenged to be a better husband. Not one time I've ever gone to the mall, which I don't go to the malls if I can help it. Well, I go to Rundle Mills Mall because that's where Bass Pro is. Can I get a witness? Not once have I ever walked in Bass Pro and that guy there is trying to, get to, trying to sell you a uh, timeshare. Not once has he ever said to me, let's don't talk about timeshares today. Let's talk about you being a better daddy. Not once. Not once have they ever pulled me off to the side and tried to help me be a better husband. But it happens here. I love my church because it's the only place I can go where I'm challenged to have a better home. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, let's just be honest. Every facet of society is committed to shredding the fabric of the family and the marriage and the home. And they okay. They okay things that the Bible's very clear about is detrimental to the home. The world says, oh, it ain't going to hurt nothing. Go ahead and do it. It's fine. It's fine if you want to cheat on your wife. It's fine if you want to cheat on your husband. It's fine if your kids want to run away from home and go fornicate and get pregnant out of wedlock. That's okay. Everybody else is doing it. But when you come to church, I get admonition. How about have a, have a good Christian home? That's why I keep coming. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. Well, preacher, you're the preacher. You're the one preaching on it all the time. Yeah, but here's what you don't understand. I get up here in about 30 or 40 minutes and give you a message. After I've been in that office for two days, God preaching to me about it. I preach it because I need it. I preach on the home because I need it. I need it. My church makes the Christian home a priority. My church makes the Christian home a possibility. When the devil says you can't have a Christian home, look at you. You grew up in a broken home. Your mama was a drunk. Your daddy was a drunk. This and that. You can't have a Christian home. And the world tells you you can't have a Christian home. You're any more a Christian home. And then you come to church and you find out that a Christian home is a possibility. But you can't have a Christian home. Amen. My church makes the Christian home a pleasure. Yeah. 
The world looks at us like we're a bunch of nuts. They think we're a bunch of fruitcakes. I might be a nut, but I'm screwed on the right bolt. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. If the world's normal, I don't want to be normal. If our society's normal, you can have it. I'll take crazy any day of the week. I'll take crazy any day of the week if our world, if our world, if our society is sane, I'll take insane any day of the week. But we know we're not insane. We just know we're peculiar, the Bible says. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. You got time for one more? I love the church because of the holiness that is admired at our church. In a day where the importance of holiness is being downplayed, made fun of and mocked and called a thing of the past, the Calvary Baptist Church, we still pursue holiness. Now listen to me. We fall short. We fall short. Don't ever walk up to me and call me old holy man of God. Don't even call me reverend. Reverend is his name. Don't call me reverend. I struggle just like you struggle. But I'm going to tell you the difference in this church and the world is here we hold up and esteem and admire and strive for holiness because the Bible tells us to. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 1, Paul said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Somebody said the other day, said, well, only holiness that God's really pleased with is the holiness and the righteousness that was imputed through Christ. He's not impressed with our holiness. I understand to an extent what they're saying, but they're almost making it an excuse to not strive for holiness. And there are way too many verses in my Bible that tells me to, for me to bind to that line of baloney. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15 says, but he, as he as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Titus chapter number 2 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If the only holiness that we have was imputed through Christ when we got saved, why are there so many passages of Scripture telling us and encouraging us and admonishing us to live holy? I'll tell you why. Because this crowd don't understand the difference in positional sanctification and practical sanctification. That's what they don't understand. My holiness has no bearing whatsoever on my salvation or my eternal life. Y'all understand that, right? When you got saved, you had eternal security and there's nothing you can do to lose it. It has no bearing on my relationship with God, but it has everything to do with my fellowship with God. Amen. The Bible's clear. You can't pray with unconfessed sin in your heart. 
God said, my hand is not short that it cannot save. Neither is my ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your sins have separated between you and your God that he cannot hear you. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. First John says, if we pray and our heart is condemning us, we don't have confidence that what we pray, he's going to answer our prayer. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody said, well, that book was written to lost people. You need to go back to Bible college. First John wasn't written to the world. It was written to my little children. Our fellowship is with the Father. We want to have fellowship with you. How can you try the spirits? How can you tell a lost person, love not the world, either things that are in the world? They are the world. That's the stuff that's floating around out there right now. It's unbelievable how far people will go to excuse sin and carnality in their own life. Well, you're in a place where we admire and appreciate and strive for a life of holiness. And nobody in here has got it all together. But if it's okay with you, I'm going to keep striving. And I'm going to keep preaching it. Amen. Well, I'm out of time. I wondered this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, if maybe there's a person here that God just spoke to your heart during the service and you just want to come down here and talk to him for a little bit. The altar's open. There may be somebody here this morning that says, Pastor Shifflett, I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure I've ever been born again. I cannot remember a time when I've ever accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I would like for you to pray for me. You've got time. We've got a baptism this morning. You've got time to get that settled. There's no rush this morning. Would you be honest enough to just slip your hand up, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Slip your hand up so I can see it. I want to pray for you. Anybody? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Anybody, anywhere, anybody, anywhere? If you're watching online, there's a phone number on the screen. You can text that cell phone number. Somebody will call you in just a few minutes. And over the phone with a Bible, try to help you get that settled. But if you're here this morning and you're not sure you're saved, I would not leave this service this morning until I got that figured out. Somebody could take a Bible in just a few minutes with a few verses. God could show to you whether or not you've been saved. Maybe you have a, need assurance of your salvation. Maybe you've not been living the way a Christian ought to live. And God spoke to your heart this morning. Maybe you'd like to join these in the altar and just pray. This is God's house. Hey, listen, this is a place for you to get some help. We just preached about that. There's no reason for you to leave in the same spiritual state that you came in here in. God is able to meet and minister to your heart this morning.